traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, President Zelensky, Z, he's having sounds. He sounds like a very strange guy. Uh, look, I am uh, not that passionate about the war in Ukraine. Sorry, I got uh, other things to worry about. I, uh, you know, all right. I wish, uh, I wish Putin didn't invade. Uh, 62% of the American people agree with me that uh, Putin never would have invaded if Trump were president of the United States still. Um, well, <laughs> Here he comes again, looking for uh, more money. Uh, wearing the, still wearing a sweatshirt, a T-shirt. No, it was a T-shirt. Now it's a sweatshirt. And on it, it says, I'm Ukrainian. No kidding. I am getting a little bit sick of this guy's act, Zelensky. He's on Capitol Hill right now, hitting us up for more billions and billions and billions of dollars. Um, all right. Uh, I just, I've kind of had it with this. I've had it with the money. I'm so glad that the Republicans are saying, some of them at least, enough is enough. We have to straighten out our own border before we keep throwing money at Ukraine. And spare me this stuff about Putin marching on all the way through Poland. What we have learned about uh, the military of Russia is that it is incompetent. It stinks. It's full of drunks. It was it was a uh, a paper tiger, right? It, it, it It's no good. They can't. He's not going to march to Poland and I know you're going to say, oh, you sound like that guy. Uh, you sound like uh, Chamberlain from. Well, look, if he dares go west of those three provinces that he wants so badly, we'll nuke him. I don't. We'll do something really, really big and bad. All right. We'll stop him. We can stop him. But Ukraine is not a member of NATO. Let's stop acting like it. I'm, I'm sorry. It's a little over the top. And, oh, by the way, you keep telling me, oh, this is about democracy, democracy, democracy. We have to defend democracy. We must defend democracy. I'm, I'm all for defending democracy. So why has Zelensky canceled democracy? You know he's canceled democracy? There are no Nobody ever talks about this. He's canceled the elections until after the war. No more elections until Zelensky, uh, what, has beaten Putin. I'm sorry. Uh, you can have elections in the middle of a war. We do it here in America. We've done it many times. We've done it many times. You can have an election right in the middle of a war. It's pretty damned anti-democratic to call off an election, don't you think? Well, that's what Zelensky has done. They suspended the elections. He comes over here. We throw the uh, Ukraine flag all over Congress, right? You know, they actually unfurl the Ukraine flag. Everybody wears those pins, stands up, yells and cheers, and they don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't know. They can't name those three provinces. Remember when Vivek asked, uh, what's her name, Nikki Haley, can you name the three provinces? It was an amazing moment. Hey, guess what? I can't name the three provinces. Nobody can. And all these people who are offended by, well, how can you say such a thing? Well, you tell me the three provinces. You tell me the name any province. Name any province in Ukraine. Go. How many? 
How many? Seriously, how many? How many? Crimea. There you go. Right, Crimea. Could you find Crimea on the map? No, I cannot. You could not. You could not. Absolutely not. Now, there's all kinds. Um, and you know what? As, as a thought experiment and as a demonstration of my good friend Harry Lorraine, may he rest in peace, his memory technique. Uh, later on today, I will memorize how I many, I think there are, uh, how many, pro- I don't even know how many provinces there are, but I will, however many there are, I will memorize them. I'll, and it will take me like five minutes. It's an amazing memory technique by Harry Lorraine. He died mm, less than a year ago at the age of about a hundred. He was a great long life and I met him a couple of times. Great guy. And anybody can improve their memory. Anybody can improve their memory. You gotta buy his book. They're still out there. Go to Amazon. He's got a million products uh, about improving your memory. And, uh, my favorite one was the Page a Minute Memory Guide. Page a Minute by Harry Lorraine. And, um, it doesn't matter though. All the books are great. And I'm gonna just, so the next time I, I meet Nikki Haley, can you name those three provinces? <laughs> yes, I can, Greg. Uh, and all right, fine. You got, you got the first three. How about the next 23? Huh? 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 And she's just going to look at me. She's just going to have that dumb look on her face. And someone's going to come and say, oh, thank you. Goodbye. Thank you very much. No more questions. Goodbye. Can you name another three provinces? Oh, that's going to be good. Right now, I can only name uh, Crimea and Lviv and Luhansk. And I think that's it. But later, I'm going to be able to do it, and I'll be able to run circles, and so will you if you read the Harry Lorraine book and sit down. Hey, how many people can find Ukraine on a map? Hmm? Come on, be honest, right? It's still, I mean, I fi- I didn't know where it was before all this stuff. Sorry. Um, it's true. And I don't think we've really thought this out. And if Joe Biden actually wanted to help Ukraine, actually was seriously interested in and helping them win this war, win it decisively? Well, why didn't he go in there with the tanks and the F-16s right off the bat? Not driven by our guys or flown by our guys, but their guys. There was always some kind of bureaucratic excuse. There was always some spin coming from Jake Sullivan. There was always something weird. They want to stretch it out. Do they want to stretch it out for political reasons? Could that be? All right, keep your eye on that. Also... Uh, what is intersectionality? Anybody know what intersectionality means? Intersectionality. You hear liberals talking about intersectionality a lot. Uh, basically, it's when you are more than one, you have more than one category of alleged victimhood to your credit. Now, I don't look at the world this way, but, well, liberals look at the world this way. Say you are um, a woman, okay? And now let's make you a black woman, okay? Now let's make you a black woman who's uh, gay, all right? Now let's uh, make you a black woman who's gay who's in a wheelchair. Uh, let's make you a black woman who's gay with AIDS in a wheelchair, right? That I believe that's intersectionality. When you have what some perceive, not all, I don't perceive, well, the handicap part, if you're in a wheelchair, that's tough, and the AIDS, but... I don't perceive one's gender, one's orientation, one's uh, uh, race as a, as a limitation to anything. But there is a whole industry and a whole kind of philosophy about intersectionality. And if you thought you had it bad when you were uh, 
Asian. Well, could you imagine if you're an Asian woman lesbian? Then you really have it. What? People don't look at that, look at it like that, but uh, the academic world does. And that, I believe, is going to save President Gay, G-A-Y. I don't know what her orientation is, but it's going to save her. She's the president of Harvard University. She was dumb as any of them when she would not uh, dumb. Actually, maybe she's just plain old anti-Semitic. Maybe she just doesn't like Jewish people. A lot of people are like that. A lot of people. I had no idea how many people were like that. And to see it at these so-called elite institutions, MIT, uh, Dartmouth, uh, what's the other one? Um, um, UPenn, Harvard. Harvard, you can have it. You can have it. Never be impressed with anybody's academic degree. Most, I had one guy who told me this. He had Harvard undergrad and Harvard law. He was a lawyer, it was like double Harvard. And he admitted to me, well, I really, I just went to those schools because I, at one point in my life, I felt so inadequate and so stupid. I thought if I work really hard and get these degrees, nobody will think I'm stupid. I mean, but obviously you're not stupid. You got it. Yeah, I know, but I didn't think about it that way. I wanted to, I, and told me how he compensated. He wanted these degrees to come. And he said, apparently everybody there, not everybody, but a lot of people are there just to compensate for something. Uh, would have been nice, I guess. Who cared? When's the last time you asked anybody where they went to college? Granted, Harvard and Yale people are likely to tell you they went to Harvard or Yale. Not all of them, but some of them. Diego, where did you go to college? Western Michigan University. I, that, now that makes sense. I would not share that with anybody either. Western Michigan University. There are a lot of dumb only, but there are, do you ever notice in Michigan, there's Central Michigan University, Northern Michigan University, Southeastern, right? There are a lot of variants on Michigan University, but what's the pre, what's the cream of the crop? I think it's University of Michigan, right? That's the one. Western Michigan University. What was wrong with Eastern Michigan? Why'd you want to go to the West part? It had a very good audio program. Audio program. They wouldn't let you hear stuff at Eastern Michigan? They wouldn't let you? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, and Eastern it didn't have an audio program at all, I well, think. I've known you for, what, three years, and it's never come up. It's well, never, never come asked. up. Uh, but it's never asked. But, I mean, it does. It, but you find out about those things, right? You know, you didn't wear a Western Michigan T-shirt. Where did I go to college? No idea. Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, and you didn't ask either. You made me sound where, incurious. Where, where did you it go doesn't to matter. I don't want to talk about it. Now. Okay. I don't want to talk about it. Actually, I went to Fordham, and nobody ever asks. Nobody cares. And it's um, all right. Why do we bring this up? Oh yeah, because Mar- uh, Miss Gay at Harvard is going to keep her job because of intersectionality. Uh, she committed fireable offenses. She totally disgraced Harvard, and saying that uh, students can actually call for the genocide of Jewish people, which would include other students. It's not a First Amendment thing. If you want to say something that vile on the street in the middle of Times Square, you're allowed to. You are allowed to do that. And the state, nobody else can shut you up. We can we can shun you. We can turn our back on you. We can not hire you. But, but this is not that. This is a private university. And you have to take care of the other students. So she is going to keep the job, mostly because I do believe uh, the black thing, excuse me, I'm sorry, but this is what it is, and that she's a woman, okay? Um, now, I know a lot of black women, white men, whatever, who do not think about this stuff at all. But at a place like Harvard, it's all they talk about. It really is, hey, 
did we get that Mitt Romney stuff altogether? Mitt Romney totally and completely disgraced himself again on the Meet the Press show. They gave him, first of all, an hour and a half. <laughs> half the show is Mitt Romney, the lame duck jerk senator. Uh, we all know he hates Trump. And But even when he was speaking about how bad Trump is in his mind, I just came out liking Trump more. <laughs> like this moment. Cut 17. You know, when I was a uh, kid, there was something called a gumball machine. You could put a penny in and a gumball would come out. It was automatic. There was no filter. Put in the penny, out came the gumball. Donald Trump is kind of a human gumball machine, which is a thought or a notion comes in and it comes out of his mouth. There's not a lot of filter that goes on. There's not a lot of what's the implication. No, he just says whatever. Yeah, that's what we love about him. It's one of the many things you see. There's no thought. There's no filter. Like Mitt Romney is looking around the room. Okay, who here would agree with me? Who here would disagree with me? What is this going to mean for my political fortunes? Uh, <laughs> that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Ooh. Uh, all right, let's do another one. Cut 18. I think we agree that we have looked at his behavior, and his behavior suggests that this is a person who will impose his will, if he can, uh, on the judicial system, on the legislative branch, and on the entire nation. Can I hear that one more time? Is there an issue with that one more time? I think we agree that we have looked at his behavior, and his behavior suggests that this is a person who will impose his will, if he can, uh, on the judicial system, on the legislative branch, and on the entire nation. He will impose his will, if he can, on the judicial system, the legislative system, and on the the country. Impose his will. You know, it's meant to sound all sinister, but it's also kind of leadership, right? It's leadership. This is all that authoritarian thing. I went through it yesterday, authoritarian, authoritarian for a day or dictator for a day. He's talking about executive orders. He's not being, and they're all going bananas with it. It's not working. Cut 19, please. Cut 19. There's no question he has authoritarian rulings and, and interests and no, notions which he will try and impose. That's dangerous for the country. Dangerous for the country. You ever, they can't cite it, though. They can't be specific. They can only use these labels. They probably will point to January 6th, but that that's wearing thin on the American people, right? And Vivek, the other day, when he called it entrapment, what happened on January 6th was clearly entrapment. When you provoke the other side to do something and then you apprehend them, arrest them, persecute them for doing what you provoke them into doing. And, yeah, I'm talking about the cops. I'm talking about a lot of things that happened that day. And we still, well, I told you about my January 6th, uh, my own January 6th hearings, right? They will be taking place next month. I'm gathering my witnesses and my evidence, and it's going to be awesome. I got more from this Mitt Romney stuff. And more on that crazy football player and his uh, silly agent with the hat. I'll be right back. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And literally, literally, literally railroading Trump. 
Railroading. You know what I heard? Uh, one of uh, Jack Smith's little minions, his little uh, deputy councils, he's got a huge staff, unlimited resources. One of the things you got to factor in uh, when you take on the federal government, right, if you're in trouble, if they take you on, uh, you got to pay some lawyer by the hour. Uh, they've got... 50,000 lawyers that we're paying for, right? They have have no, but they can just spend, spend. They don't care. I hear that one of the guys, the guys who actually delivered the uh, Supreme Court, they, they wrote up a thing, a whole request from the Supreme Court to get Donald Trump in court as soon as possible. Now, Trump right now is appealing this whole January 6th thing, and it's made it to the appeals court, and that's where you fight it out. Right. The, the 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 appellate level. So they said, skip that. We want to go right to the Supreme Court because they're such in such a hurry. Now, why are they in such a hurry? They say, well, because the public needs to know. And, you know, in the interest of just justice, no, in the interest of Joe Biden, in the interest of uh, winning the next election, uh, in harming Trump, your political adversary. So one of the guys submitted this thing to the Supreme Court and took it over there in the subway. I, I, I feel like, you know, railroaded, like literally railroaded, asking the Supreme Court, hey, hurry up with this. We want to put him on trial now. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, I just I have such confidence. I, I, I Every day is a battle. Every day is freaking me out. But overall, big picture, I think it's going to be great. And I think Mitt Romney is going to lose. Uh, hey, they were asking literally, okay, we accept that Mitt Rom, we accept that Donald Trump is a threat, but how much of a threat? That, that was literally the question. Cut 20. I want to drill down on you on just how dangerous, as you say, you perceive former President Trump to be. Okay. Let's go, let's go a little bit further. We know he's dangerous, but how dangerous? And Mitt, of course, takes the bait. Cut 21. I think if you can look at the last few months of his presidency, you'd suggest that that's the kind of thing you might see, uh, that he would not have the generals around him, as he did last time, people of judgment and experience offering advice, and in some cases, restraining his impulses. The generals were schmucks. General Kelly, General John Kelly, one of the laziest guys in the world. He made general because, guess what? He looks like a general. That's why he made general. Uh, General Mattis, one of the weirdest guys I've ever encountered in the Marine Corps. I encountered him in the Marine Corps, by the way. He'd get up in front of a thousand people and, and say something really ghoulish and weird, and it would get the troops all fired up. He'd say something like, you know, as we pursue the enemy, we have to acknowledge something. It's fun to kill people! And everybody would go, rah, 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 That was his whole shtick. You know who he's going to have there next time around Donald Trump? He's going to have Rick Grinnell. He's going to have Robert O'Brien. He's going to have Cash Patel. And he might even have Tucker Carlson. Sid Rosenberg joins me next. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we are joined now by the legendary Sid Rosenberg. Sid, of course, hosts Sid and Friends in the morning, Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. And you know Sid, you love Sid, a very important man uh, here at WABC and beyond. Sid Rosenberg, welcome back to your studio. How are you? I'm great. Look who's talking. I'm actually uh, at a party right now, Greg. You could appreciate it. See Holiday party for the DEA, not the Drug Enforcement Agency, the Detectives Endowment Agency, the great Paul DiGiacomo. So uh, all these uh, high, highly decorated cops, 
much like uh, your great father, Ray, are here right now celebrating Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's. So it's a nice little afternoon here on a cold day in New York City, Greg. Uh, I like their style. They're partying at one thirty in the afternoon. I love it. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Hey, speaking of parties, you were with Donald Trump the other night at that big gala at Cipriani downtown. I got a picture of you and Trump. It's just that you're having quite a moment. You're both in tuxes. This is a great picture of both of you, by the way. You, you both look very fit. Tell us a little bit about this moment. What'd you guys talk about? Well, for starters, uh, you should have been there because uh, obviously you've got a great relationship with the president. He loves you. I know you love him, too. So I was surprised you weren't there. You and Janine Pirro I was looking for that night, to be honest. But uh, look, Greg, he's, he's terrific. You know, uh, uh, Gavin Wax is the president of the Young Republicans Club here in New York. And Gavin was sitting next to President Trump. And Gavin got up to make a speech. And the president was sitting back to back to me. He literally leaned over sitting there with my beautiful wife, Danielle. And he said, Sid, come here. And I get up and I walk over and he said, I got to tell you, Sid, he goes, you know, you're a great guy. And I said, oh, my God, like I just said to you, Greg, look who's talking of all people. Come on. It means a lot coming from you. He said, no, you really are. I appreciate your support. I appreciate your friendship. And then we uh, joked around about Matt Gates' speech, had a couple of laughs back and forth. And then he went and got up on the stage. He kind of playfully punched me in the shoulder, which you can see on uh, my Instagram page. So I think the whole talk lasted about two minutes. Look, I, I've known Trump for 25 years. There was a time when I was doing sports talk radio, Greg, when he would come on, and we went to Mike Tyson fights. I saw him there. But certainly since he's become president, not the same relationship. But the last four or five months, we have forged a pretty good friendship. And Saturday night was really great. And his speech, I must tell you, Greg, an epic 65-minute speech where he detailed and laid out exactly why not only does he have to beat Joe Biden, He's the only guy in the world, in the world that can save us from this impending doom in New York City, in New York State, and around the country. Wow. Wow. Sounds like a great moment. Great party. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't there. I uh, I don't know. Should I gone? I guess. You know, I got a problem, actually, being, being in a room. You know, I, I actually prefer to be like, I, I prefer to be, I don't want to compete with other important people. I want to be the most important person in any room I'm in. Which, uh, which, uh, I get, I means, well, I spend a lot of time alone. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, uh, but it, I don't know. It, it, it sounds great. I wish I had gone. I really feel like I missed out. You know, hey, I, I appreciate where you're coming from because I'm kind of the same guy, Greg. I really am, to be honest. But, and there was a lot of people. This was a thousand people at Cipriani's. But what they did was they had about six tables that they, um, they squared off. And those are the tables that were guarded all night by Secret Service. And in those six tables, that was really where the, the big folks were. Anybody from President Trump to uh, Matt Gates and his lovely wife, Ginger, to Lauren Bulbert, Rudy Giuliani, Andrew Giuliani, yeah. Bernie Carrick, hey, and I go on and on. What about those Lauren Bulbert, though? Lauren, is she single? Does she have a date? You know, it's funny. She is single, and at the risk, Danielle's inside, I'm going to say this. She's got some little body. <laughs> so at one point, I knocked into her. I swear to God, Greg, and she goes, that's okay. You're handsome. You can do that. Uh-oh. And, uh, oh, my God. I know. But she but, is uh, little. She's like four foot ten, right? She's like really small. She's, she's little, but her dresses are so tight. She's got a great body. And <laughs> I was told, at least, she ended the night hanging out with you. Ready for this? George Santos. George Santos. I saw that. Lauren Bulbert hung out the end of the night. Yeah. So, it was in the newspaper. Uh, I, I, <laughs> that's crazy. But she's, listen, I like her. 
And uh, she's, she's a fun girl. And everybody that night had a lot of fun because the truth is, when Trump is in the room, you know this, Greg, as much as anybody, when Trump is in the room, it is so inspiring. You know, the hope that these people have when they look at him. You know, my wife said to me afterwards, Craig, you'll appreciate this. Danielle goes, and she likes him. She goes, it's like a cult. It's like a cult. Mm. You know how people get crazy at a giant football game last night or a Ranger hockey game? Trump gets up on stage, and these people don't sit down. They're yelling, they're screaming, they're cheering, they're fist-pumping. It is just an incredible scene. And nobody, nobody in the world gets that enthusiasm, let alone a guy like Joe Biden. Right, right. You know, the only thing is, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say, it's not cult-like in that a cult leader, you know, tells you to do things that are not good for you or good for the country. And I think what, what sets him apart is, you know, this make America great. People say, oh, you're right wing. No, I mean, uh, I believe in a, I, I think we should have a border. I don't think, uh, drag queens should be hanging around kids at public school. Uh, I, I, I don't believe in getting into wars that we lose uh, that were needless in the first place. You know, common sense stuff. But I, I'm so glad you were there. It's a great, great report. Hey, George, San- you mentioned George Santos. I got a clip. They're actually talking about you, Sid. Uh, this is Frank Morano talking about uh, talking to George Santos about your interview with George Santos. Listen to this. Cut one, please. Something like. Um claiming that you were on the volleyball team at Pace University in that interview with Bernie and Sid. Why do that? I mean, what votes is that going to get you having played volleyball? Why make something like that? I'll, I'll give I'll give you this. I if I were you, I would I would go listen to the to the Sid uh to the Sid interview that I did uh just a couple of weeks ago and I unpack that. So I'm actually going to encourage your viewers to go gotcha. listen to your colleague's show cuz I did unpack that there. <laughs> oh, all right. So we got to listen to the other show. Hey, Sid, what do you make? What do you make of Santos? And uh, I got my own thoughts. I've kind of come to terms with it. But what what do you make of him? Well, I'm going to say this at the risk of uh, making your listeners angry. George Santos called me yesterday just so you know, just a, a hello phone call to tell me he loved the picture of me and Trump. And I thanked him because ever since he announced he's doing cameos at 200 bucks a pop, my cameo sales have gone through the roof. I swear to God, Greg, I've done about $2,000 the last three days. Um, but look, I, I don't dislike George Santos. I'm sorry. The guy's a Republican. He voted for America. He voted for Israel. I see people like uh, Elon Omar. That's somebody who needs to go. Rashida Tlaib, she needs to go. There are such despicable people that need to go. I don't consider George Santos one of those guys. He's a Republican. If we lose that seat, that's going to hurt us in a very, very big way, as it is the margin is so slim. So I wish I was as angry as my Long Island friends like Anthony Desposito were about George Santos. But the truth is, I'm just not. How do you feel? I'm with you. I actually like the guy. I really do. And uh, I, he didn't deserve to be expelled. I don't know. I don't know what he did. I know that unlike Joe Biden, he admits to making mistakes. He has admitted to lying. Joe Biden lies and lies and lies, never comes clean. And then when he does get caught, which was a long time ago, he goes right back to lying. So I, I, I actually like the guy. Hey, you, uh, Rosenberg, I'm, uh, you're Jewish, right? Sid? I am very, very Jewish. In fact, I've, uh, I've gladly taken on the responsibility of being the biggest pro Israel voice from here to Tel Aviv. So I am a very, very proud Jew. Yes, Greg Kelly. Well. I happen to be Christian, and uh, I'm hoping to uh, – I'm vying for second place in supporting Israel because I – number one, I, I, I am so shocked, saddened, bewildered. I can't figure out – I had no idea that anti-Semitism was this much of a thing, that it was as prevalent as borderline mainstream. Listen, did you know 
I, I, I'm shocked. You're Jewish, though. You, you, I mean, did you ever think it was this bad? Uh, what? Tell me, before October 7th, did you think that this stuff was out there like this? No, and there's no Jew that can tell you that they did think it was this bad. I know it's been bad my whole life. I went to poly prep as a young kid, and I was made fun of because I was Jewish. I've gotten into physical fistfights in the streets over the years because I'm Jewish. But I never thought in a million years it was this bad that we were this contaminated from our universities to our politicians. I mean, you get a guy like Joe Biden. If I hear one more person tell me how pro-Israel he is, I'm going to bark. This is a guy that's in bed with Iran. There is no October 7th without Iran. You cannot be funding Iran. You cannot be loosening sanctions with Iran. You can't be doing all these things and be pro-Israel at the same time. And by the way, telling Netanyahu, you need a ceasefire, you need to pause. So all this uh, talk about Joe Biden being pro-Israel is ridiculous. So between the people on the streets, the campuses across our country, our politicians, including the Biden administration, with Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken, another traitor who's not really pro-Israel. I am shocked. I'm disgusted. I'm disturbed. Another reason why Donald Trump needs to win, because say what you want, Greg. I don't care who you say. Ronald Reagan was good to Israel, yes, but not great. The only president in my lifetime that was great to Israel, that once again, folks, moved the embassy to Jerusalem, recognized the Golan Heights as part of Israel, did those Abraham Accords with his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, Stop giving pallets of cash to the Palestinians, which ended up with Hamas and Hezbollah. The only guy to do that was President Donald Trump. He is far and away the biggest friend of the Jews in the history of the presidency. No, it's amazing. You're so I, I feel the same way. I just I, I have such appreciation for what he did. And it's incredible. It's incredible how God works that a guy, you know, on Fifth Avenue and all the stuff, you know, and all the excesses, all the stuff that the some people pretend they don't like. And look who came through in the end. For our most important ally, I just uh, I just love it. Hey, Sid, uh, six to ten in the morning—that's quite a schedule. What time do you get up? I get up at three fifteen a.m. every morning. And Greg, there's a driver, either Gene or Levi, outside my front door at exactly ten after four. I get to the studio just before five o'clock in the morning. Sit down with Justin Ellick and Lou Rufino to get ready to go. And six o'clock it's showtime. So three fifteen a.m. Greg every morning. Anybody who says, "Are you used to it yet?" has never done it. Let me tell you something, folks. And I said it, and so did Howard Stern. You never get used to it, ever. It's brutal. But you know what? I want to be the first guy to tackle every major topic of the day, whether it's politics or sports or entertainment. I want to be that guy. I revel in that. So 315 sucks, but ends up working for me. What do you do between 315 and 410? That's uh, 55 minutes. What do you do with that time? While I'm shaving or I'm showering, I have a cup of coffee. I have uh, like a little, uh, usually like a protein bar or something. So a bottled water as well. So in mornings where I shave, it could be about 40 minutes before I get ready. Other mornings, about 20 or 25. I, I read the New York Post online. I check my Instagram messages. Not much, to be honest. I know that uh, not, not much important things, but. Just kind of waking up and getting ready to go. It takes me about 45 minutes. Uh, well, you got a routine. Yeah, that's a routine. I'm not going to mess with your routine. I can get showered and dressed in about 90 seconds, believe it or not. I can get, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's, I can, my wife, I'm sitting there, you know, my wife, we're getting ready and she is done telling me to, you know, get dressed already because she knows how quickly I can do it. It's kind of, yeah, I, you look I, great. Yeah, you look great, by the way. You're a very handsome man. Well, you, you know me. I, I'm working on the big in the middle part. And oh, by the way, let's talk talk about your fitness i mean geez i mean it's incredible and let's not talk about the uh what, you know, 
Well, you know, the extras, the extras. I, don't tell me who the extras. Tell me the good old-fashioned stuff you do to look the way you do. And the way you look and people, the, you know, they they hear you more than they see you sometimes. You can go to his Instagram. But, you know, you got that thing that guys want, which is big on the top and narrow waist. You know, big chest, narrow waist. The V, the V. How do you get that? There's only two ways to get that, Greg. And, and one of them, the most important way, believe it or not, is your diet. And uh, my wife, Danielle, cooks, I would say, on average, about five nights a week, and she only cooks healthy meals. Now, look, do I have dessert a couple of times a week? Of course. I'm going to be 57 years old. I'm not going to be on the cover of many magazines anymore. So I don't, uh, I don't uh, you know, not enjoy myself. But Danielle cooks about five times a week. She cooks very, very healthy. That's the most important thing, your diet. After that, I'm at the gym anywhere between five and six times a week, lifting pretty heavy for a guy that's going to be 57 years old. So when you combine the diet and the workout regimen, that's how you stay shaped. That's how you. That's how you look good, and that's what I do. I walk quite a bit. I'm on the treadmill twice a week, so it's. Um, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty good when it comes to that. I'm pretty disciplined, Greg, when it comes to my diet, my workout schedule, because I am scared to death. I am scared to death of what will happen if I don't. I mean, look, I go to tanning salon still. I mean, I am still. Um, I'm still worried about my uh, my appearance. Uh, maybe that'll stop in the next couple of years, but. At this uh, stage of 56 years old, I still worry about it. Look, I'm in two major motion pictures. I'm in Gravesend, which is uh, doing very well on Amazon Prime. I'm getting more acting roles uh, by the day. I've gotten four new scripts since the strike actually ended uh, about a month ago. So all those things are important to me as well. So wow. wait, 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 wait. I, 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 I'm not that familiar with this party or uh, repertoire. These roles, have you, do you ever have to audition or is it like the director knows you and he knows what you look like, what you sound like, you know, or have you ever had to walk in for an audition? That's a great question. The answer is never. Uh, the guy from Gravesend, for example, which is doing really well. I was in five of the nine episodes in season two. His name is William DeMeo. He's a huge fan of mine from radio. Same thing with Danny A, who I met through Bo Deedle and Heshi Organbaum. Huge fan of mine through radio when I shot that great movie, Inside Man, the true story about the Gemini Lounge bar out in Los Angeles. I'm going back out to Los Angeles next month to shoot the uh, true story movie about the two mob cops, Tara Kappa and Ippolito, which is going to be a huge hit, I believe, here. Oh, my God, those bums. Those guys were such lowlifes. Are they both dead now? They're both dead now. They were both lowlifes. You're exactly right. But it's a story that people want to hear, like the Gemini Lounge. So. In both of those cases, these are two very young, very talented, well-known guys in the Hollywood circles. Both bands of mine from radio. I've never auditioned. They gave me a job. It worked out well. Now I'm in their inner circle, kind of like Trump, Craig. I'm in a bunch of inner circles. <laughs> All right, that's it. Get get uh, Christopher Nolan on the phone and Martin, Marty Scorsese. I want to talk to these guys right away. Make, <laughs> make get ready, Hollywood. I'm uh, I'm coming. If Sid can, no, Sid, that's amazing. Well, you got it all going on. Uh, keep it up, and uh, we're proud of you. We're happy for you. And Sid Rosenberg, thanks for being with us. Oh my God, thank you so much, Greg. You know I think the world of you too. You're great. And uh, like I said, I wish you were there on Saturday. You. you well, the only thing missing, I know Trump loves you. You would have been terrific, but thank you for coming on the show. I look forward to tomorrow morning when you're on with me, Greg Kelly. Thank you so much. You got a hey, one last question. You get up at three fifteen. What time do you go to bed? Um, it depends, honestly, on Danielle's mood the night before. Could be nine fifteen or it could be nine thirty. <laughs> uh, I, I think I know what you're getting at, and uh, you're an honest man. I love it. Thank you, Sid, and uh, everybody. We'll be right back. Take care, buddy. See you later. 
Greg Kelly. Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Tucker Carlson, there is more and more buzz about Tucker Carlson being VP under Trump. If I had to bet money, I would bet that this is not going to happen. However, I will tell you this. This is not fake news. This is not just some rumor. This is something that's actually being considered and weighed, I think, by Trump and his close associates. And uh, I don't know how I feel about it, but I want to hear from Tucker. He was on the Megyn Kelly show. Cut six. I really appreciate that. And I agree with fundamentally with his views, you know, maybe fewer wars, maybe have a border like those are not crazy things. And I support them. And I'm appalled and terrified by the use of the DOJ to rig an election, which is what's happening now. So all those factors make me kind of psyched to vote for Trump. But serving in politics with anybody, I mean, that's just that's a it's a lot for me to think about because I, I just don't think I'm really suited for that. I mean, do they would anyone want to see a guy like me run for office? I mean, people are like, oh, yeah, we, not yes. really, actually. I'm kind yes. of, not really. I've thought about it and a million times. If, if I had you on that debate stage, Tucker, I actually thought about this. If you were out on that debate stage last week as one of the candidates, it would be so fun because you really would be just saying what's real. Mm. Uh, I, I wonder. The thing about Tucker that's really cool, he's right on all the issues, but also I think the, the country needs some nourishment, spiritual nourishment. And he speaks about that. He speaks about, you know, alcohol and he's like not drinking and drugs and he speaks about God and faith and some of the things our country really needs. Not all, uh, most political figures stay clear of that. All right, Sandra, hello. Oh, hi, Greg. You spoke about two people that have been on my mind. Sid, who I also met. I have a picture I would love to Congratulations. Send you, I really, well, I really want to talk about Megan Kelly. I'm so glad you brought her up. I don't know what's with her. Is she trying to put doubt in the eyes of people who want to vote for Trump again? She did it once before. She's doing it again. Well, how is she, she doing it? How is she doing it? And by the way, let's face it. It's not her job to promote Trump. She's Let's face it. It's a complex relationship they have. It's the ups and downs. Uh, so what did she do? Well, she said he's confused, and she said he's uh, uh, he's up in the year 77 at that age already. Look, my mother was 96 when she passed away. Would you close she, the car door or put your oh, seatbelt yeah, yeah. on or whatever the hell's going on oh, in that hold car? On, hold on. What, what's going on here? All right. All right. That, oh, my seatbelt's not on. That yes, point. I knew it was something along those lines. All right, look, yeah, I, the whole country, you know, it was – look, Sandra – We've talked about this. Sometimes I think you get too worked up about what people say. You know what I mean? All right. So Megan Kelly said something on a podcast. People have podcasts. They say stuff. You're not going to agree with everything. You well, know, I don't think Trump liked it either. Well, I, whatever. I mean, I mean, like the truth police. I mean, like it, okay, somebody said something. So much of our society is hung up on somebody said something. You know, I mean, and there's certain things you can say or certain things that I think, you know, okay, bring it on. But if somebody says something in a podcast, everything's going to be okay. All right. Everything's going to be okay. So don't worry about that. Uh, and you know, she's an independent thinker. She's never going to be all in for Trump like we are. And, uh, and that's fine. She can do that. Uh, Oh, there's the music, Sandra. I appreciate your call and your insight and your loyalty. I'll see you soon. Um, but then again, Sandra likes everybody at the radio station, right? <laughs> she, right? She calls. All right. Uh, that's all right. All right. Give me a moment.